is the Tennessee men's basketball team March ready? Ball's national ranking and record suggests they are. We'll dive into that today on the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside the Knoxville News Sentinels, Mike Wilson and John Adams. We've given Adam Sparks the week off and cycled Mike in because, well, hoops is the more interesting story in town right now. And Rick Barnes has another national top 10 team that's speeding toward March Madness. Uh, We know from past years that Tennessee has a bit of a history of underperforming in March, but new team, new season, new star player. So let's dive into it. Mike, uh, set the scene for us. Why should we think that this team maybe is capable of uh, being March ready, being able to go on a, a deep run? And what maybe concerns would you have about this team? Well, you start with the fact they have the guy wearing number three. Uh, being the biggest reason why you look at this team and see a difference. Um, They are top 20 in offense nationally, which is not something that they have been outside of that 2018-19 year, which I think they were number three. They were number 64 in defense then, and this team is number five in defense. So there's there's this old theory that top teams that are in the top 20 of adjusted offense and defensive efficiencies are final four contenders. Tennessee fits that billing. Uh, for whatever that's worth. But, yeah, I mean, you start with Dalton Connect. The fact that he can go into flamethrower mode at any point. Um, he's won Tennessee games single-handedly. He flipped the script last night at Mizzou in a big way. Um, but I think the other thing you you kind of buy into with this team is they've got a lot of guys that can beat you. Zakai Ziegler, Santiago Vescovi, Josiah Jordan-James, Jonas Adu, Tobey Awaka did it at Missouri. Uh, Jordan Ganey's done it in spurts. So, they have more depth in terms of weapons than I think they have in the past. Um, concerns, I still don't know that they're fully trustworthy on the interior. Um, when they lose games, it's when Jonas Adu plays badly. Um, in their most recent two losses, he had six points and five rebounds in both of them. Uh, and he's a guy, to me, that you have to have be one of your top three players, game in, game out, uh, if you're going to reach your ceiling. like He's probably the guy that, that has the biggest effect on, on Tennessee's ceiling when all is said and done. Um, the other thing is, can Tennessee hang in low possession games? Um, because the teams they've struggled with are the teams that play slower tempos, a South Carolina, a, a Texas A&M, a Vanderbilt in the first half of the first game, Missouri. Uh, the teams that slow it down are the teams that have given Tennessee trouble. So if you run into a Virginia early in the tournament, teams like that, I think, can give Tennessee some problems because they're not the same team that Rick Barnes has had. They do want to run with you. Uh, they they want to play in Arkansas and Alabama. I mean, a style of play that favors high possessions because they think they can score with anyone. John, what do you think when you see this team? Uh, you know, what concerns might you have as it pertains to March Madness, and and how much I guess are you a believer or a non-believer that uh, this could be the year for Rick Barnes's Vols? Well, I thought it could be the year in other years, and it turned out not to be. I was reminded of that watching the first half of the Missouri game last night when it looked very much like a first-round NCAA tournament game and and Tennessee was flopping. Uh, But I I agree with Mike wholeheartedly. To me, Dalton Connect changes everything. I, I think one of Tennessee's failings in the past has been when things go awry, when don't they don't go as planned you're struggling in a game offensively in a tournament game everything's on the line when you have that uh, exceptional player he can rise above all that 
and make plays. And he certainly can do that. I think that makes all the difference. I've seen so many NCAA tournaments from start to finish where one guy kind of carried a team along the way through six games by just playing at his very best. And I think Connect has that capability. Uh, yeah, and there are some concerns. I, I, I do think, and Mike can probably speak to this better than I, uh, Dalton Connect, I don't think Tennessee can afford to have him out of a game long. Uh, I mean, foul trouble would be significant, but I mean, I know Rick Barnes preaches uh, defense, but I don't want this guy getting in foul trouble. If he, if he backs off, backs off a little bit on defense in an NCAA tournament, I don't care because he's going to have to carry the offensive load. And I think he's going to play a lot of minutes because without him in the lineup, there's that danger of Tennessee lapsing. And sometimes those lapses have been prolonged uh, in, in the last few years, even with talented teams. So that would be one of my concerns. Yeah, to follow up on that point, I, I would ask, can Tennessee survive an NCAA game in which Dalton Connect has an off night or, to John's point, gets in foul trouble? What do you think about that, Mike? Yeah, I think John's point was great, too, because – you think of some UConn teams in the past, Kemba Walker, Shabazz Napier did, did exactly what John's talking about. Um, taking teams to the final four, more or less carrying that team. I think probably more so the Shabazz Napier year than, than the Kemba Walker year, but Kemba Walker reached the final four, right? I believe so. One national championship. Yeah. That, yeah. That I, had U- national. Uh, I had UConn in my, in my pool that year. On my <laughs> That's why he remembers. Yeah, I remember him very well. And he did he did carry that team. Yeah. Every game he came through when it mattered. Yeah, I think to the point, Blake, of the question, Tennessee doesn't want to find out <laughs> in March if, if they can do it without Dalton Connect. Um, there was a, a game recently where he was not in for a stretch in the second half and Tennessee did well. I can't pinpoint which game it was. Um, they kind of blurred together at a point because there's so many of them. Um but that, that has happened. But more often than not, the story has been Dalton Connect uh, needing to needing to shoot life into the team somehow. Uh, I think you've seen that so often in second halves on the road in SEC play in particular. Um, and Tennessee's got to be thrilled that the, S- or the NCAA tournament isn't played on the road um, because road games, they haven't looked very good early very often. Um, so that that's a telltale thing with this team, too, in terms of what it's got to do. But yeah, my, my answer is you don't want to find out if you can do it without Dalton. Um, for long stretches, because I think what John said is true. Tennessee can't avoid or uh, or can't afford to have him uh, off the court for long periods of time more often than not. Do you guys think this is Rick Barnes's best team? Because um, when I when we have that litmus test, I guess I think about that team that you referenced earlier, Mike. It was the the eighteen nineteen team, right? That was ranked number one in the nation uh, for a portion of that season. Uh, Admiral Schofield, Grant Williams, we remember the cast. Uh, I, I thought, you know, at least since Rick Barnes has been here, that's probably been Tennessee's best shot at making the Final Four and uh, lost in that close game to Purdue, and it didn't happen. Um, so maybe this team goes farther than, than that group, but just NCAA tournament aside, what do you guys think about the argument that this is Rick Barnes's best team versus that other team I referenced? That was a really good team, but I kind of like this team. I think might be a little deeper. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I, I think I would, but also as good as that team was, and it had, it, it had well-defined roles on that team. Uh, I, I still like the one, two punch a little better for this Tennessee team on the perimeter because it didn't have that, that other 2018 team didn't have anyone like Dalton connect who basically could do anything offensively mid range, go to the basket, three pointers. Uh, but also Zakai Ziegler, uh, I just think he can, he is so quick, so intuitive on the court. He's another guy who can make plays and offensively and defenses. I know uh, defensively, I know his height can be a liability on defense at times, but he brings so much more to the table offensively and also his ability to steal the ball because of those two players. I just that to me separates him a little bit. And Tennessee has, I'm not just putting it all on those two. Obviously, Tennessee has other good players, very experienced players. So I like this team better. Yeah, this team is deeper, um, as John says. Off the bench, they've got more options. And I think the differentiation is this Tennessee team has more guards. Um, that team had probably more reliable post players. Uh, when you look at, at Grant Williams, obviously being a back-to-back SEC player of the year, I think Kyle Alexander didn't have the upside of a Jonas Adu, but you maybe knew what you were going to get more often um, from from Kyle Alexander than you do with Jonas um, because he was, you know, not good in the first half at Missouri, been been bad in some losses. His upside is tremendous. I mean, when he's on, as he was at Arkansas, Tennessee is outstanding. I think he had twenty-three and twelve in that game. Um, so I think that's a flip there. The analytics would say this team's better overall. Uh, again, in terms of those offensive defensive efficiency ratings, that team in 2018-19, as I mentioned, was number three, I believe, in offense. So they had a tremendous offense and a slump-proof offense, more or less is what it seemed like with that group. This team I don't think is slump-proof. We've seen that it's not. They're less prone to it because of Dalton Connect. Um, but again, I think the guard play – leans to, to this team and guard play is typically what you feel good about in the postseason. So that is where I, I probably favor this Tennessee team right now over that 2018-19 group. There's so much of the attention when it comes to SEC comes to football. Uh, that's just the way the world operates. But when Greg Sankey became commissioner of this conference, one of his goals, and he made this clear, was he wanted this conference to qualify consistently more teams for the NCAA tournament. And ultimately he wants, um, you know, to be able to produce some national championships on, on the men's side, uh, like we've seen happen, you know, more frequently on the, on the women's side. Now, when it comes to qualifying the tournament and the depth uh, of talent within the SEC, I think it's undeniable the SEC has made notable gains the last several years while Sankey has been commissioner. Now, when it comes to reaching national championship games, winning championship games, um, that's still a drought. When I look at the conference this year, it's very deep. The SEC is going to qualify a lot of teams for the field. There's a handful of teams that I feel like could make runs to the Sweet 16. But I wonder, like, who are the teams that could contend for a national championship, contend for a Final Four? We've been talking about Tennessee. Are there other teams from this conference that you guys see as, yeah, this could be a, a Final Four team? Yeah, I mean, Auburn well, and Alabama are the first two for sure. Unfortunately for Auburn, they don't get to play the NCAA tournament at Neville Arena, 
Yeah. Uh, which they are, they might beat the Showtime Lakers, the Harlem Globetrotters, Dream Team. They might beat about anyone there. Uh, although they did just lose to Kentucky, but yeah, I think Auburn has to be in that mix. They have a, a great profile, a lot of experience. Um, do lean on a freshman point guard in Aiden Holloway, which that sometimes can be a drawback in March. You saw that with Purdue last year. Alabama offensively uh, can can stick with anyone. Best offensive efficiency in the nation. They've underachieved in March too under Nate Oates. That's a conversation I had with some people recently. Um, not as long of a track record of not getting it done in March as, as Tennessee has right now, but yet Nate Oates needs to win more in March, and they have the offensive talent to do that. Kentucky offensively can do some things. Um, they weirdly play better away from Rupp. So again, going to where you play the NCAA tournament, could that help Kentucky? Because um, offensively, their profile is great. Not a great defensive team, except for that win at Auburn. So yeah, there's definitely some candidates, but the biggest thing is Tennessee's or um, the SEC is looking at eight or nine teams getting in. And if you've got eight teams in there, you're looking at eighth of the field. Uh, so you've got a shot right away by having that many teams in the mix. I just, I, I think when I look at an NCAA tournament team, a team that's more capable of making a run, I like to see a great player, as we've talked about, uh, Dalton Connect with Tennessee. I also like to be, see, like to see balance. How could this team handle that kind of team? How you get all kinds of different matchups in this tournament. And that to me is more important than seeding. So, how equipped is it if what it normally does well, it can't do? And that's when they have to sort of win left handed or go to plan B. I wonder about that. Maybe that's why I don't like Alabama. I, I, I just would, that's not a team I would pick to do well in the NCAA tournament. Auburn, I would pick to do well, but Mike, you may have read something more on this. I don't know the status of Jalen Williams. Mm. Uh, he was injured in the, took a bad fall in the Kentucky game, injured his knee. And uh, I mean, if he, if he can't play that to me eliminates Auburn mm. because they've, they've got a great one, two punch with him in there and they, they lose that. I just don't see Auburn contending. Uh, Tennessee looks to me like the most formidable team, but of the group, but I do wonder about Kentucky. I guess it's just because it's Kentucky and you know, it has talent and, uh, why it has disappeared on defense consistently this year. I don't get quite get that. And I always think though, with maybe Kentucky's players, they're so talented that, if you got into the tournament, it might Kentucky might turn it on, but that hasn't happened recently. It's been just the opposite. But I, I still think of Kentucky. I would probably take Kentucky over Alabama as a contender for a Final Four. Yeah, with Jalen Williams, uh, that that knee injury, John. Uh, there was no specific timetable given for his return. Uh, but the headlines I saw was that it's not supposed to be season ending. So he's supposed to be back at some point. At what point that is, I don't know. But as you mentioned, that uh, would be a big factor affecting Auburn. He's one of their top players, one of their top scorers. We, we've talked a, a lot about Dalton Connect, but in years past, we'll, you'll see these NCAA tournaments where like a wingman emerges or, or somebody who maybe wasn't the, the star throughout the season uh, kind of becomes a tournament hero, not just talking about Tennessee, but, you know, different teams that have gone on final four runs in the past. Is there someone from this group that you guys think, um, you know, if, if, if Dalton connect needs a, a supporting star, 
that could kind of become a, a March hero uh, or an NCAA tournament hero. Because like I said, we have seen that in past years, some guy that maybe is averaging eight or 10 game, eight or 10 points per game throughout the regular season, all of a sudden gets hot in March and he's averaging, you know, 16, 18 points a game in the NCAA tournament. Well, um, I guess, uh, I guess Ziegler is too good to qualify for the role you're defining because he would be, I mean, if you're looking at the number two guy to me, it's Ziegler because he does a lot of things well and he's capable of playing great. I mean, when he's at his best, he's hitting threes, he's going to the basket. He's, uh, He's pickpocketing uh, the opposing point guard, all that good stuff. So I guess if I'm looking beyond him, Josiah Jordan-James, there have been games where he shoots three-pointers uh, very well, but those games are rare. I wouldn't I wouldn't put him in there. Maybe it would be Vescovy. Um, Santiago Vescovy, to me, hasn't played. He was supposed to be an all-SEC player. He's looked nothing like that this season. But he works very hard on defense. He's a good defensive player. He can run forever, certainly for 40 minutes. But I just, you know, when he when he hit a hits a three, I just think that can change everything. What if he got hot and you had an extra guy nailing it from three-point range? I think that could make all the difference. Yeah, and to me, I think John nailed it with the Zakai comment. Zakai needs to be your number two, and he has been for the most part this season. And to me, Jonas Adu has to be the next guy there. Um, so I'm going to kind of take those two out of the equation. The instant offense guy you look to is Jordan Ganey. Uh, Jordan Ganey is a guy that can come off the bench and give you 15 points, 18 points, and in a hurry. Uh, and that's a guy that in March can flip a game for you. Um, he was electric at Arkansas. But I I'm going to go yeah, to Santiago Vescovi and Josiah Jordan James because for the first month of the season, Josiah was Tennessee's second best player uh, alongside Dalton Connect. And that was when Tennessee was rolling uh, at points in the non-conference. You'd like to see him get back to that. But those are two guys who are fifth-year seniors who have been in these games, been in these tournaments, played in the moments. Um, I, I think there's an interesting viewpoint of those guys. Um, they both willingly have accepted lesser roles this year around Dalton and Zakai and Jonas. Um, they're playing winning basketball. They, they both have their highest offensive ratings of their career this season. Um, so people love the points per game. People love stats X, Y, Z. Uh, the reality is those two are affecting games in big ways. And that's not even taking into account who they are defensively. But what John said is accurate on Santi. I think when Santiago Vescovi hits a three pointer, there's a different air. Um, you, you can see that at Thompson bowling arena. It's just, he's done it for so long, done it for, for so many games in front of people that people get extra juiced. I think when Santi's shooting like that, so if he jumps up in March like that, um, you know, my, my viewpoint going into the year was Tennessee will be at its best if Santi is their third or fourth scoring option. If he's in that mix in March, then Tennessee's in good shape. Yeah, like, a year ago, he was their number one scoring option, right? So we know he, he can do it. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like, you, you know, we've talked about how, much, how one great player can carry a team. There are plenty of examples of that. But oftentimes when you see teams make a Final Four, it's like there's sort of a group effect where mm -hmm. it, it's as though people shoot above their what their numbers say on three from three point range in particular. I've seen guys that during the regular season they weren't that big of three point 
threats. In fact, you look at the stat line and we think that's a player that the opponent might say, based on the scouting report, let him take that 22-foot shot. But when those guys, when somebody else steps up, be it Vescafi or Ganey off the bench, you get three guys shooting three-pointers. Man, that's a great recipe for cooking up a Final Four. All right, so I want to close with a sort of big picture view at the NCAA tournament, and I know we're still a month out from it, but hey, this is college basketball. It's a sport that revolves around March Madness, right? And and it's getting close enough we can kind of feel it. So I'm going to take the, the top five teams out of the equation from the rankings. So the top five right now, uh, UConn just lost, but still they're, they're a top there. Houston, Purdue, Arizona, Tennessee. You can't pick them. You can't pick a blue blood like Duke, Kansas, or North Carolina. I want a sleeper team from outside that list that you guys think could make a run to the Final Four. Maybe it's someone we've discussed in, in the SEC. Maybe it's somebody else. I'm going to give you a moment to think and, uh, and throw mine out, and it's not just because they beat UConn, but I really like Creighton. They got three great scores, um, all veterans. I like teams with veterans in the NCAA tournament. But uh, Baylor Shireman, Trey Alexander, Ryan, I think it's Kalkbrenner, right? Uh, three veteran guys that can all go for 15, 20-plus in a game. Uh, they'll probably be seated, what, somewhere maybe on the 3-4 line uh, in, in the NCAA tournament. They used to be like that Cinderella team. They can't be, really be considered Cinderella anymore from, uh, from the Big East. I like Creighton. There's my uh, non-blue blood, non-top five ranked team that I think could make a run to the Final Four. How about you guys? I am following you to the Big East, Blake. Um, I'm going with Marquette. Um, I thought Marquette was was awesome uh, when I watched them back in Maui. Um, good offensively, good defensively. Uh, Big East might be the best conference for basketball. I mean, Big 12 and Big East, I think, are probably the two best this year. So any team coming out of the Big East is pretty battle-proven. Uh, I mean, they've seen the likes of UConn, Creighton, Marquette. Um, Providence is a really good team. Seton Hall's tough. Um, so there's a lot of teams in there that you're going up against that are outstanding. So Marquette is that team for me outside of that mix. I guess I'd go with uh, Rick Patino's St. John's team since <laughs> the coach is so, so high on that club. No, actually, yeah. I would have said Marquette too because it really made an impression on me. And I haven't seen it recently, but when I saw it early in the year, man, I, I really liked that team. So since Mike took Marquette, I would probably go, Blake, you tell me Jalen Williams will be will be back for Auburn. That's what the reports at Alabama okay. are, is that this knee injury is non-season ending. Okay. Well, then I like Auburn as that kind of team. It's got really good depth. It plays relentless defense. Janai Broom and Jalen Williams give it a nice one-two punch, and I like Bruce Pearl in the tournament. Uh, he took Auburn to the Final Four once before. I think if not for a key injury, Auburn would have won that national championship. And he also took Tennessee to a to the Elite Eight and within a Michigan State last-second deal would have made another Final Four. So I'll go with Auburn. This has been refreshing, guys. Uh, Mike, we've, we've had Adam on the last couple of weeks talking about NCAA inside the mm. courtroom. Uh, we, yeah, putting law and order aside for a moment and uh, talking NCAA tournament March Madness, uh, it's been fun. John, 
what do you think? Should we have Mike back uh, sometime soon here? I like it. De- definitely. Certainly uh, in March, huh? Yeah, so absolutely. Now, this has games kind of have a March feel to them now. But Mike does. Mike really knows the game. It's not just Tennessee. Yeah, in seriousness, you can find all of Mike's coverage uh, of, the, of the Tennessee men's basketball team as uh, their lead up to March Madness over at KnoxNews.com. John will have the commentary, and this will not be the last time we talk about hoops uh, here on the Volunteer State. Thanks for listening.